truth in that song there. Someday trumpet's going to sound. I'll tell you. That's with the trumpet, not the violins. I'll tell you that. As soon as Brother Talbot said that was the best offertory of all time, I have to tell you what went through my mind. He forgot to pick up his laundry or didn't do the dishes or somehow he had to make up for something at home. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter number 5 in our Bibles tonight. Let me remind you to continue to pray for Israel's situation. If you're following it, has gotten obviously worse. Um, I think if I remember correctly, um, the parliament there hadn't called war since 1953, something like that. Um, so this is a more serious situation than it's been in the past, and uh, obviously God's in control, and what happens in the Middle East is important if you know Bible prophecy, and uh, I'm thankful that I know Jesus, and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to actually, I had you turn to First Thessalonians, we're going to be there, you know what, I'll tell you what, we're there, we'll read our verses, and then I want to take you on a little bit of a journey by way of introduction uh, through uh, some of what Paul told Timothy in his two letters to Timothy. So uh, we're reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're reading two verses, verse 21 and verse number 22. The Bible says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to meet with us. Then I'm going to have you turn to some passages in the Timothy, the letters to Timothy. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you again. For the privilege to be part of your church. Now, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have a discerning spirit. And Lord, I thank you for the admonition we read in these two verses. I pray especially for our young people as, they grow on, as they're growing up in this world, crazy world, lots of crazy stuff going on. Help them, Lord, to have the discernment to know the difference between what's wrong and what's right. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And I want to read four passages of scripture. Obviously, Timothy, again, was uh, Paul's uh, preacher boy there. And Paul was burdened for Timothy. And uh, there are some things that he says in, uh, in these letters that I find um, applicable today. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from each which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now turn to chapter number 6, a few pages over, to chapter number 6, and look at verse number 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Chapter number 2, and excuse me, 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. Again, admonishing Timothy concerning the last days. 
This know also, verse 1, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Then we have a description of these days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Timothy, some people are going to have the form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have a lot of professors with PhDs that are ever learning and never come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he uses Jannies and Jambres as an example that resisted the truth um, with regards to Moses and withstanding Moses. And then I want to call your attention to chapter number 4 of 2 Timothy. And I want you to look at verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering in doctrine. Why? Timothy, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. When we look at this admonition to Timothy, and much of it describes the latter time, we can't help but see the need. What Paul is encouraging Timothy is, Timothy, you have to stay on the ground of truth. Timothy, a lot of crazy stuff is going to come your way, and you need to be able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. When I look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, and I read these two verses, verse, 20 and 20, verse 21 and 22, I find in these verses the need for discernment And I find in these verses three keys to spiritual discernment. I think it's important in the day and age which we live, especially for our young people, to be able to determine what is right and what is wrong. Just because you hear something on the news doesn't mean that it's right, nor does it mean that it's accurate. Just because you hear something from someone at work doesn't mean that it is right, nor that it is accurate. And as we look at these two verses, I find some keys that help us to to exercise spiritual discernment. And again, I think that is needed probably more than ever in a day and age in which we live with all the nonsense that's going on. And it continues to get worse and worse and somebody's getting a phone call i thought for a minute maybe that could have been the trumpet bummer i was willing to pause and wait (laughs) look at verse number 21 key number one prove all things prove all things prove means to observe 
to check out, to look over, to carefully inspect the genuineness of something. Discernment really has to do with the ability to judge between truth and between error. It's interesting. It doesn't say prove some things. It says prove all things. The word all means what it says. The whole, every kind of, we need to examine. We need to carefully inspect the genuineness of that which comes our way. I thought about this when it comes to proving all things or testing things. What is it that we could test what comes our way against? And I thought of four areas that help us when it comes to proving all things or testing things against something. They all do with God. Number one, we can test what comes our way against God's person. Now, I want you to think just for a minute as we think about the word of God. When I mention God, what comes to mind? There are characteristics about God that we find in his word that are true about him. The first one that comes to mind probably for many people is God is love. God's foremost attribute is his holiness. In Isaiah chapter number 6, Isaiah says, I saw uh, the king high and lifted up. I saw the Lord upon his throne. When, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he saw the Lord. And he said what? There were angels surrounding. And they said what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. If you don't know anything about the word of God, if you don't know anything about truth except the fact that God is holy, and you are God's child, you can use that as a test for things that come your way. You see, people want to paint a picture of God that is not real. And when we think about that, people, uh, people create their own picture of God. God is a holy God, and God's character helps us when it comes to determine what's right and wrong. I remember uh, thinking for the first time concerning John chapter number 2 where the Bible says that Jesus turned the water into wine. Now I at that point didn't have the knowledge that I have now having studied the Bible. But I remember thinking, wait a minute, that there's a problem there. So if you look at that story at face value, here they are having a, a wedding. And if you say, okay, they're having alcoholic wine then you're going to say that everybody has had some wine, and everybody is maybe a little bit tipsy if you understand the term. Some of you do, some of the kids probably don't. And then Jesus shows up, and Jesus makes more alcoholic wine so that everybody's stone drunk. The character of our God, now obviously we have lots of Bible verses and principles that can talk to that of that uh, giving your brother to drink, looking on the wine is red, etc. But when we wonder, is this thing acceptable? As I examine what's coming my way, I want to examine it in light of the person of God. God is holy. And I don't think in his character, we've got Jesus creating alcoholic wine and causing everybody to get drunk. It's not consistent with the holiness of God. And so you think about, you can use this when we think about proving all things. You can use this when it comes to what we would watch 
on television or the movies we would watch. Again, our God is holy, right? We are uh, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And as we recognize that, I am a child of God, therefore I need to think concerning God's person. Number two, the obvious, God's precepts, all right? We look at what the Word of God says. We look at clear Bible commands in the Word of God. I alluded this morning uh, to somebody that would be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. You have a, someone that is a Christian who wants to marry someone that is not Christian, crystal clear in the word of God, what does God's word say? And I think it's important for us to come back to that many times when, it, when we think about, do I go here? Do I do this? Do I listen to this? You want to you do an analysis on the music that you're listening to. You say, boy, is my music pleasing to the Lord or not? Well, number one, let's remember God's character. God's holy. Is the music a portraying unholy living, right? Number two, you look at the precepts, the clear truth of the word of God. What does God's word say? I remember years ago uh, when I grew up, I grew up in, a, in church, and uh, I remember that there were, uh, this is just comes to mind, so I'm going to share it. I remember that there were, in the Christian school that I went to, and really in every church that I've been part of, um, there were standards. There were dress standards and this and that and the other. And I always wondered, where did they come up with knee length? <laughs> Do you ever wonder that? Do you know in the Word of God, the Bible defines nakedness? In Isaiah chapter number 47 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, Take the millstones and grind meal, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers, thy nakedness shall be uncovered. You say, where's the thigh? Well, you've got to determine that. But bearing the thigh, according to the word of God, is nakedness. And I remember going, ding, 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 the bells are, oh, that's why in all these years, in all these churches, in all these things that I've seen, it was knee length. Because the Bible clearly says, if I bear the thigh, it's nakedness. You see? And so we want to ask ourselves this question as we prove all things, what precepts in the word of God? Are there clear Bible principles that help me examine what's coming? There's a lot of stuff coming. Look, there's a lot of stuff coming in these young people's lives. I mean, a lot of it. You, you take a kid in junior high, and they're trying to figure out where they're at and what's going on in this big world, and they're trying to process life. To us, some of it we just dismiss, dismiss, dismiss. But a young person's trying to figure this out. And what happens is somebody they respect does something. And then they feel like that's validated. Or they question, maybe, they're, maybe I'm a little bit uh, too narrow, can you say? Hey, because somebody else is doing this, and it appears that they have, hey, we don't, we, we do what we do because of the word of God, not because of what we see as apparent success. Do you know how God defines success? Faithfulness. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And sometimes a lot of people out there doing a lot of crazy things and using a lot of methods to, to do those crazy things. And I wonder what's going to happen when they stand before the Lord. All right, I better stop. I'm going to get, we're going to get way, way, we're going to be here at 9 o'clock if, if I don't get going. Number three, 
We're still on Roman numeral one. <laughs> We're talking about proving all things. We're talking about examining the genuineness of things, right? We're looking at it in light of God's person, who God is, God's precepts. What about the principles in the word of God? Somebody say, well, pastor, in the word of God, it does not say that. You know, I don't know why we need to have the thou shouts, right? If it doesn't say thou shalt, then I can do it. Yeah, it doesn't say thou shalt not jump off a 10-story building. So you can do it, and you can die. Okay? I mean, the reality is, hey, there are principles in the word of God. Now, one of the principles that I like to highlight, and we don't have time, this is kind of just an overview here tonight, as we look at trying to uh, be discerning or have spiritual discernment, is Galatians chapter number 6. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, right? For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit, what? Reaps life. The reality is, what you sow... You reap. That's a Bible principle. If I sow to my flesh, you say, hey, I'm going to uh, uh, drink or I'm going to smoke or whatever. You ever see somebody, and we're not being critical here, I'm just stating facts, somebody that is in their 30s and they look like they're in their 70s because they have given their flesh, they've given themselves to their flesh, and it has aged them and it has deteriorated their health. And that's a Bible principle, what you sow, you reap. We've got to ask ourselves as we think about what's coming our way. Lastly, let's think concerning this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, now these things were given for our examples. Number four, not just God's person, his precepts, his principles, but God's people. Do you know God puts people in our lives for a purpose. By the way, he put the people here in the word of God for a purpose. And he says in the New Testament, the church of Corinth, hey, guess what? I gave you a bunch of people in the Old Testament for your examples. That you shouldn't lust after evil things as they lusted, right? We have so many Bible examples, but we also have real life examples as well. I'm sure all of us can think of somebody that went a certain direction and <laughs> and and, the and they're in the middle of, they're facing their consequences. By the way, sometimes it takes time. But God's word is true. What a man sows, he will reap. And it may look like, by the way, young people, don't buy into, oh, that guy's living for the devil and he looks like his life is going good. Don't let Satan convince you of that, all right? Because what you sow, you reap, and there's no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. And somebody that's living apart from God does not have peace in their life. And we think concerning examples. One of the uh, clearest examples to me, just I remember there's two sisters. This was years ago. I went to high school with them. And uh, two sisters and the older sister, she got pregnant out of wedlock. And the younger sister should have said, you know what, I'm going to do differently than she did. But the younger sister said, ah, she was stupid. I'm going to be more careful. You know what happened to the younger sister? She got pregnant out of wedlock too. You know, God gives examples in our lives. You, you know, you look at some of these people that are making money and that are writing music, um, and their their life's a mess. I'm not sure that'd be example I, I want to follow. You see, but I like their music. You know, you can unlike their music. If you eat enough broccoli, you'll probably start liking it. You know, <laughs> listen. 
you start listening to the right kind of music and you'll get an appetite for the right kind of music, right? Um, but example, and so what are we doing? We're proving all things. We're examining. We're checking the genuineness of something. And these things that come into our lives, we have to stop. By the way, we have to stop doing stuff because everybody else is doing it. That doesn't make it right. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Just because someone else is doing it, again, doesn't make it right. What does the Bible say? And as we look to prove all things, we can look at God and what he says and the principles, and we can look at the people that God has given us in his word. All right, that's point number one. We've got two more. Number two, go back to our text. First Thessalonians, we're looking at some keys to help us be discerning spiritually. By the way, it's interesting. I've never met anyone that wants to be a zero with the rim rubbed out. See, Pastor, what's that? I remember talking to junior high boy outside of church years and years ago. Uh, we had just got back from camp, and I said, do you want to be a zero with a rim rubbed out? He said, what's that? I said, well, let's think about this. Look, we're going to draw a zero. We're going to rub out the rim. And he said, well, a zero with a rim rubbed out is a nothing. I said, that's right. You want to be a nothing, or do you want to be something for God? You see... God has great plans for us, and we need to prove all things. We need the devil. Is, look, the devil is a roaring lion, wants to take every one of us down. He does, every one of us. He's got a plan for us. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if we'll prove all things, uh, that's key number one. Number two, hold fast that which is good. The word hold fast is a word that means embrace, embrace wholeheartedly to take possession of. The word good means moral excellence, or look at this, advantageous, something that's going to help you, something that's genuine, something that's right. We think about how do I hold fast? I think holding fast what is good starts in our mind. The Bible says in Philippians chapter number 4 in our thinking, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, right? Think on these things. I need to think on that which is good. I need to think positive thoughts. Do you know what? If you kick it in neutral, you kick your brain in neutral, do you know where your brain's going to go? It's going to go reverse. It's going to go negative. You will immediately see life from a negative perspective. That's why the Apostle Paul told the church at Philippi, writing from a prison situation, think on these things. You've got to choose what you're going to think on. And then I, I think it, it affects not only our thinking, but our attitude as well. Romans chapter number 16 and verse number 19 the Bible says this, Romans 16 and verse 19, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. See, we have a curiosity side to us. Why, how, what? The Bible says, hey, we need to be wise <laughs> under what's good. 
We don't have to figure out all the ins and outs. Look, you don't have to know all the ins and outs of, of false teaching, Jehovah Witnesses or Mormon. You don't have to know all the ins and outs and dive in on to be able to help them. You need to know the truth. I remember years ago, Brother Fisher, when he was here, he came into my office and he said, Pastor, I read a couple chapters in this book. He said, something's just not right with it. Will you read it? I said, sure. And I started reading and I'm thinking, hey, this, is bad. this has got doctrinal error in this book. And uh, he had enough sense to say, hey, something's not right here. Something doesn't line up with truth. And we need to be about, by the way, uh, godliness is intentional. Paul told Timothy, exercise thyself unto godliness. Put good in your mind. Embrace a good attitude. Hey, I'm going to be wise unto what's good. And then we think concerning not just our thinking and our attitude, but we think concerning our actions. Titus chapter number uh, 3. Titus chapter number 3. And you can just write this down. I know I'm moving kind of quickly here. Uh, Titus chapter 3 and verse number 8. The Bible says this. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God must be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. We think concerning hold fast that which is good. I've got to think good. I've got to have an attitude of good. I've got to embrace actions that are good. Hold fast. Hey, if something's good, get it in. If something's bad... I got to get away. I got to get away from it, and that's where we go for our third point. Look at verse number twenty-two of First Thessalonians, uh, chapter number five. It says, "Avoid, abstain. Excuse me, abstain from all appearance of evil." And this is key number three when it comes to discerning. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain has the idea of refraining oneself from doing something, avoiding. Holding oneself away from all, again, has every kind of evil. Appearance, obviously. Evil uh, refers to something that's harmful. Negative teachings, influences, or behavior that would displease God, even if everyone else is doing it. We're looking at the aspect of abstaining from appearance of evil. By the way, that principle is true um, in many aspects of our lives. You say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, can you not make it look like you're doing anything wrong? (laughs) See, avoid the appearance of evil. One of the ways, the best ways to avoid the appearance of evil, and I don't want to scare you, I'm not going to go through all of this, okay? I'm just going to touch on it. I want Brother Brown to give you a handout. One of the ways to um, avoid the appearance of evil, to avoid evil, is to practice separation. Many churches don't teach the doctrine of separation, but it is in the Word of God. Now, we have, and we haven't in a while, we have a series that I've taught here on Baptist distinctives. And one of the Baptist distinctives is separation. You'll see this comes right from that study. The first page is really what we're going to discuss just a little bit as we think concerning the separation. You've got separation of the believer in the world. 
You've got separation from false teachers, and you've got separation from disobedient brothers. Maybe I should teach it next week. I don't know. Maybe I will. <laughs> page one, right the front page, is one I want you to see is the basis of separation. Yes, thank you. If you're watching via live stream and you would like this handout, if you will call the number on the screen, uh, we will send it to you. You've got to leave your address, call the number, leave your address, and we'll mail you this form uh, for you. Thank you, Brother Richard. I meant to to tell them that if they're watching, because uh, this is a helpful, I think, a helpful chart for us. So page number one, okay, what are, we, what are we talking about? We're talking about abstaining from or avoiding evil, harmful, what's going to be negative, negative influences. And as we look at this handout, you see the reasons why on the back page, but I want to just highlight just quickly some of these passages on the front page, what is the basis of separation? We'll look at these four passages real quick, and then we'll let you take the paper home. And uh, if enough of you say, Pastor, we should go over this next week, then I will. <laughs> if not, we'll let you take the verses and look at it. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all right? I gave you the blanks filled in too. Look at that. You don't have to do any writing. It's all filled in for you. What is the basis of separation? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19, the Bible says this. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. Jesus died and shed his blood and purchased us with his blood. We're his children. And he says, hey, don't, the verses prior to it, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. Hey, you are to be separate. Come out and be separate. First Peter chapter number 1. What is the basis of separation? First Peter chapter number 1 we're called to be holy. Not only bought with a price, but look at this. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. You ought to look different. Hey, don't fashion yourselves as you were when you were unsaved. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. As Christians, we don't need to dress like we're unsaved. We don't act like we're unsafe. Okay? According to our former, uh, fashioning ourselves according to our former lusts and our ignorance, we're called to be holy. God wants us to be holy. Look at Titus 2. Boy, Titus 2 is a powerful verse as well. Because of the grace of God, the divine enablement of God. Verse number 11 of Titus 2 says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared, unto, or appeared to all men. Now look, God's divine enablement teaching us, teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
And of course, we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. In this present world, not the, well, I'll, I'll live godly in the world to come. No, no, in this present world, the grace of God that saved us enables us to live godly, to be separate from ungodliness. And then lastly, 1 John 4, 1 John 4, and again, we're looking at the basis, and you get the specifics as you turn the page, 1 John 4, and verse number 5. Actually, let me look at verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And you can look at the other verses there. We're of God. We're his children. Sometimes we want to be in the world and of the world. And sometimes we'll be, well, I don't want to look like a, 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 a stranger or a pilgrim. <laughs> I beseech you, First Peter 2, as strangers and pilgrims, right? Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now, by the way, when we separate from the world, you see it on page two, when we separate from false teachers, when we separate from disobedient brothers, we're not being unkind. You know, so you say, well, I'm supposed to treat them as someone that's unsaved. Okay, how do you treat someone that's unsaved? You don't avoid them, shun them. You don't condone their sin. What do you do? You try to, you try to reach them. And as we look at this, I think this is a very helpful outline that helps us to, uh, to, to really obey that last idea, which is abstain from the appearance of evil. Um, don't allow evil influences in our lives. Uh, I tell you this, I know, I know we're a small church, and we're praying the Lord to continue to bring us people, and, and I want God to bring us, to bring us people, right? But I, I want to stand on the truth of God's word. If God brought us 10 families that didn't believe the Bible is inspired and uh, we allowed 10 families in didn't believe the Bible is the word of God, we wouldn't be the church God wants us to be. I said the other day to somebody, I said, you know, again, I think it's important as parents, we want our kids to have friends and this and that. But I remember coming to a point, you know, when, when uh, we first came here, Sarah didn't have any friends. She'll tell you, by the way, she'll be here in a couple of weeks. She'll tell you, she sat in with Matt Barfield and the senior saints. It was Matt and Sarah, you know, and all the senior saints. Matt was teaching Sunday school class. That was her class. So don't complain, guys. You, you know, you don't have too much. But I remember saying this. I remember I was saying, you know what? I'd rather my children not have any friends than have the wrong friends. Now I'm thankful we had six of them. They all played with each other. They all became each other's friends. You know, sometimes we got to remember we're a light, we're salt in this world. And God has called us to let our light shine. When things come our way, someone says, hey, did you hear this or that? Don't just say, oh, wow, and spread it. Don't spread it. Try to check your facts before you spread things. All right? But let's test it. Let's prove it. Let's prove it according to truth, who God is. What God said. 
uh, 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 what, what we see. And then let's hold on to what's good and what's right. Say we're going to leave the bad, we're going to keep the good, and uh, we're going to, by God's grace, avoid the appearance of evil. We're going to avoid what's going to, the devil's going to try to bring into our lives to get us off track. He is subtle. You know, I've seen, I've seen people say, well, I, I need to, uh, to learn more about uh, what I believe about the Bible version issue. And they get online, and they see somebody, and they listen to this guy that might be right on the Bible version issue. And then they say, well, I like this guy's teaching. And then they listen to his teaching on something that's not right. His theology's wrong. And then, and then they say, Pastor, uh, uh, the church is doing everything wrong. <laughs> you know, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And, uh, and I've seen people get out of church and quit going to church because they got away <laughs> from truth. And we've got we've to we've we've be discerning, spiritual discernment. Young people, you have got to have spiritual discernment in this crazy world. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank you for truth. Went through a lot of material tonight. I ask that you would give us all spiritual discernment. Lord, that we would test what comes our way according to truth. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be about our Father's business. We are strangers and pilgrims in this world. We're just passing through. Our treasure is supposed to be laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Give us that mindset, Lord. And give us, Lord, a passion for truth. When people propagate that which isn't true, Lord, would we say, hey, that's not true. Truth is what God has said. Give us a passion for souls, Lord. Use us to make a difference. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder tonight that the Spirit of